live from the basement. This is Cellar Dweller Sports. And we're back with another edition of Cellar Dweller Sports featuring K-Dog and GMAC. Welcome back to the Cellar. We're here with the New York Metropolitans and the New York Yankees. Today's rundown, we have Islanders and Rangers rewind and preview. We have the Nets and Knicks rewind and preview. Then we have the Mets and Yankees rewind and preview. Then we have Jets and Giants draft review after that. And then to finish it off, we have K-Dogs Fantasy Minute at the end. So first we'll start out with the Islanders Rewind. And the Islanders had three games this week, uh, two against the Rangers. So uh, be a quick rewind for the Rangers as well. Uh, first, we'll start out with the Caps game on Tuesday against the Islanders, where the Islanders lost one to nothing. Uh, Terrible against, against the Caps. Uh, v- Vanasek only saw 18 shots on goal against the Isles, uh, and he saved all of them. Obviously, uh, Sorokin saw 33 shots, uh, only let in one goal, so he still had a fantastic game. Uh, the only goal scored was a minute 30 in by uh, Daniel Sprong, assisted by Dmitry Orloff. And that was the that was basically the whole game. It was a defensive game uh, throughout. This was the Isles game to win because they usually uh, play well when the scoring is very low. They they like to keep it uh, a two two to uh, two goal game sort of. Uh, low scoring game usually favors the Isles, but in this one, it did not because uh, the offense just didn't show up in this one. Obviously 18 shots on goal is not good at all. And uh, that costed the Islanders in this one. Hey dog, you know, I was watching this game and this had to be the worst game. The Islanders played this year, bar none. Mm -hmm. The caps beat them in every facet of the game, every facet. The Caps physically abused the Islanders, yeah. and the Islanders had no response. You know, and that is not a comfortable feeling, you know, being manhandled by a team when you can't do anything about it, right? You know, Sedano Chara pounded Matt Martin again. You know, a couple of games ago, he decided, you know, he uh, pounded him, and I almost felt bad for Matt Martin, right? You know, uh, he just got pounded and he got thrown around like a rag doll by Chara again. And Chara isn't even really considered a fighter, but you know, mm-hmm. he's six, eight and he showed that he can handle himself. Cause he, I mean, Martin's just no match for him. Uh, he just, you know, Chara just pounded him and you know, the aisles K dog, they lack size and they lack toughness. And, and this was glaring in this game. And as it was exposed because in addition to charge just beating down the Islanders, like only fighter um, Martin, who, you know, I mean, he's getting out long in the tooth and he's not the, the fighter he used to be. Um, but, you know, Tom Wilson was nailing them. I mean, mm-hmm. they were just getting hit by, by everybody and, and they, they can't respond. I mean, how, how are they going to respond? They, they can't, 
you know, they, they, they just don't have the size and the toughness to uh, compete with the, uh, the caps in this kind of game. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and the Islanders look like the same team that lost seven games in a row before the pause last year in this one, the Isles have no identity. You know, their identity line has seen better days. They're just too inconsistent. The Isles aren't a physical team. They lack size. They don't have enough speed. And the Isles, they don't have enough scoring. I mean, the power play is yeah. atrocious again. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's atrocious. It's, so bad. It's, it's bad. I mean, the, the, the problem with the power play is they don't shoot. They pass the puck around the perimeter looking for the perfect perfect setup to score and they don't put enough pucks on net Mm -hmm. and you know the power play has been bad for years why because they don't have any real scores that's why i mean who scares you on the islanders kato who uh i would probably only barzell okay uh, yeah a different team if i was the opponent i I would agree barzell but nobody else scares you when you know when other than barzell there's nobody on the team that, that, you know, when they have the puck, the other teams, you know, like really worried. And uh, I said this last year that the Isles are a team that don't know what they want to be other than a neutral zone trap team. Mm-hmm. You know, do they want to be a team with speed? Because if they do, they got to get more speed. If they want to be more physical, be physical, then they got to get guys that have more size and that can play more, more physical. You know, they just don't know what they want to be, you know, and I give Barry Trotz a lot of credit for getting what he gets from this team because, you know, they're not stacked with talent. Mm -hmm. I mean, they have some good skill players, no doubt, um, but they're not stacked with talent. I mean, you get past like the second line, you know, the the fourth line. uh, And I like Cal Clutterbuck and Sezekis and Matt Martin, you know, they, you know, they, they, they hustle, they try but they're, they're, they're not what they used to be. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not, you know, they're not uh, contributing the way they used to be. And then on the third line, I mean, Josh Bailey, I always pick on him. We're going to continue <laughs> to pick on him, right? Because, you know, he just, he, he doesn't get the job done. But, you know, I think last year they caught lightning in a bottle. Um, but this year, I don't, I don't think they're going to make it out of the first round of the playoffs. I mean, they're because they're going to either, either play the Caps or the pens in the first yeah. round because they're not playing Boston in the first round, you know, and you know, the, hopefully they can get home ice advantage because they're very good at home. Otherwise, you know, if they don't get home ice advantage, I, I don't see them winning. Um, and, you know, they lost to the, the caps and the pens in the, the season series, six games to two. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they showed that they haven't been able to be competitive with either of those teams this year. So, you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen when they reach the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially the uh, caps and pens. They've had a rough season against them, but uh, moving on to our Thursday game, it was the Islanders versus the Rangers in Madison square garden. And the Isles took care of business against uh, their their New York rivals for nothing. Uh, Semyon Varlamov pitched a shutout with uh, 25, 25 saves on 25 attempts. Fantastic came from uh, Varlamov. Igor Shosturkin let in three goals on 26 attempts. Now, only good for an 89 save percentage. Bad game for Igor in this one. But... Uh, in the first period, Leo Komarov scored his first goal of the season for the Yo. Isles. 
making it one nothing, and then uh, the young gun Ali Wallstrom scored his tenth of the season on a power play goal to make it two nothing in the at the end of the first. Then in the second period, uh, Anthony Beauvillier scored his eleventh of the season, making it three nothing. And then in the third period, Matt Barzell scored his empty netter goal, 14th of the year, uh, putting this game away, 4-0 Isles. Uh, the Isles dominated on all sides of the, the board in, in this one, uh, dominated the faceoff percentage. It was 32-18 to 18 in favor of the Isles. They were 1-for-2 on their power play as well, while the Rangers went 0-for-2. And uh, they got more shots in than the Rangers as well. Uh, only by two, but still uh, made the difference. And uh, fantastic game from Varlamov uh, puts the Rangers on edge. Hey, dog. You know the Isles got well against uh, a Rangers team that surprisingly didn't play with a sense of urgency mm-hmm. in what amounted to a must-win game. Instead, they get shut out. Uh, Varley records his third shutout of the Rangers this year alone. <laughs> Ironically, K-Dog, all these shutouts come at, come at the garden. Yeah, that is, and, that's actually, that's interesting as well, because usually the home field advantage uh, gets you a few goals at least. Yeah. You know, um, maybe the, the Rangers need some of the points <laughs> from the Knickerbockers, but yeah. uh, you know, so Varley is the first goalie ever to shut out the Rangers three times at the garden in a season. Wow. So, I mean, that's co- quite an accomplishment, yeah. but you know, the aisles, they, they, they came to play, you know, Barzell finally scores after 13 scoreless games, although it was an empty net goal, you know, Leo finally gets on the board, his first goal of the season, Ali, as you said, scored, you know, he scored for the first time in his last 11 games. Yeah. And, you know, the Isles finally got scoring from the guys they looked to for scoring. And, that, and that's the key. And at the end of the day, that was the difference in the game. And, and they also got a power play goal, which has been infrequent. So mm-hmm. the Isles were everything they haven't been in the last few games in this game. You know, they got goals from the people they need to get goals from. They had locked down defense. They converted on the power play, you know, and before that, you know, they, they played with a sense of urgency and, you know, they competed and, and the prior games against the caps, they just, either the caps are really good uh, or, you know, they just didn't compete. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, the Rangers and the Rangers were everything the Isles have been in the previous games because the Rangers were a complete no-show. You know, the Rangers aren't, they weren't physical. Uh, I know they were without Kreider, who missed his first game of the season. Uh, you know, the stats were close in this game other than the face-offs, which the Isles dominated. And Igor wasn't great with only an 88 save percentage and this game was a microcosm of the rangers season which pretty much ended with this loss at the hands of their rival so if you're an islanders fan you're really psyched up if you're a rangers fan you know you're you're going to golfing soon uh and the rangers the rangers suspect defense did them in yeah as did their inconsistent offense mm-hmm. right so their young kids in this game Kako and Lafreniere were both minus two 
as was Breadman, right? Mm-hmm. Panarin didn't even have a shot on goal in this game, K-Dog. Wow. Yeah, that so, is, uh, that's bad, especially no way. from their best goal scorer. That's right. No way Rangers win if he doesn't even get a shot on goal. You know, Zabanajad was minus one. Buchanevich was minus one without a shot on goal. So, I mean, the, 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 this and to me, this was a surprise considering how big of a game this was. The Rangers cut it to five. They win this game on Thursday. You know, they're, they're down to, you know, I'm sorry, they were six. They, they're down to four points, right? And then yeah. they got the follow-up game on Saturday, right? So, you know, the Islanders came through and, you know, they won this game, which kind of made Thursday. Saturday's game somewhat meaningless because it kind of put them out of reach. But, you know, I, I don't understand why the Rangers are so bad when they ha- when it seems as though they have a lot of skill on this team. Um, you know, my opinion is this can- inconsistency comes down to the coach. Mm-hmm. You know, I- I'm expecting Quinn, you know, he may be fired after this season. Uh, the Rangers performed well in his absence you know, when he had COVID and they were being coached by Hartford, just my opinion. But uh, that's the only reason I can think of why they are so inconsistent because, um, you know, they, they were just a no show in this game, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the Islanders were ripe for the picking because they've been really bad lately uh, coming into this game, but you know, they, they dominated the Rangers. That's for certain. Yeah, they did. And then, to, and then added insult to injury on Saturday, with a three nothing win, another shutout for Semyon Varlamov. Uh, He's got four against the Rangers. It's yeah, unbelievable. Twenty eight save, uh, twenty eight saves on twenty eight attempts, uh, and this one clinched the Isles playoff spot. Um, and uh, just uh, like I said before, added insult to injury for Ranger fans out there. Uh, Georgiev uh, had twenty two saves on twenty five attempts. Uh, letting in three. Uh, the goal scoring started in the first by Anthony Beauvillier, his 12th of the season. And then I guess that empty netter helped Barzell because he scored his 15th of the season late into the first. And then in the second period, Beauvillier scored his second of the game and 13th of the season in this one. And that was all the goal scoring after that. Uh, Isles took care of business in this one, clinched the playoff spot. Uh, and once again, like you said before, uh, the Rangers' uh, big scorer, Artemi Pernarin, uh, minus two in the plus-minus category, and also zero shots on goal once again in six in 17 minutes of ice time. Uh, just not what the uh, Rangers needed, and uh, and just uh, probably not making the playoffs now. Definitely. Well, K-Dog, they're definitely not making the playoffs because all, all, all that needs to happen is Boston just needs to get one point or, or the Rangers have to lose the game, right? Yeah. So, you know, the, the Rangers aren't going undefeated and Boston's mm-hmm. not going winless. So it, it's over for the Rangers. You know, and I mean, basically, all you had to do was press rewind uh, because – Saturday's game was exactly like Thursday's game. You know, the Islanders went out early to zip and you know, that's the key for the Islanders. If the Islanders take a lead in the game, you know, it's very unusual that they relinquish that lead and they got up to zip on the Rangers. And I'm sure the Rangers were like, Oh, here we go again. And, and, you know, as time went on, you know, the longer 
uh, the game went on without the Rangers scoring. I'm sure Varley and the Islanders were in their head, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, then same thing that happened in the game on Thursday, second period, couple minutes into the period, the Islanders score, you make it three, nothing, you know, and in game over drive safe. I mean, that, that was it. And, you know, they weren't going to relinqu- relinquish that lead. And, you know, again, the, the Rangers big guns, um, you know, didn't come through. And I know the Rangers had uh, some players out. Kreider was out again. Trouba was out as well. Right. And they brought up some folks from uh, players from the uh, Hartford Wolf Wolfpack AHL affiliate. But really, no, that's really not an excuse because they, they still had Panera and they still had Buchanevich. They still had Lafreniere. They still had Capo Caco, right? You know, they still had Adam Fox mm-hmm. and, they, and they, they just couldn't get it done. You know, I mean, Zabana, Jad, they just couldn't get it done. I mean, uh, against the Flyers, they'll pump on, pump in a lot of goals, yeah. but you know, when they start playing, I think teams that are just a little more, uh, strong defensively that they don't seem to be able to uh, respond and, and get, you know, a, a goal on the board. And the, you know, the Islanders just dominated them in the last three games, uh, outscoring them a total of 10 to one in the last three games. So the Rangers weren't even competitive in these games. And, um, you know, if they wanted any hope at all, they had to win this game, but really, you know, after Thursday's game, they knew, they knew it was over. And, you know, the, the thing that really, bothers me if I'm a Rangers fan is you know the the Rangers kind of almost just accepted that they lost this game saying well we played better than we did Thursday well you stunk on Thursday and you stunk again in this game Mm -hmm. when you you know yeah you you capitalized on beating the Devils four straight games right you put yourself in a position to make a run and you know you go up against some better competition you lay an egg you don't even score a goal and, and yeah. the islanders haven't been playing well mm-hmm. so you know the, the rangers kind of got what they they deserved and you know when they went into the season their defense was suspect and you know uh it, it was again in in this game and it was again in this series uh what's surprising me is the islanders just keep blanking the rangers and you know the rangers really do have some goal scorers but you know they, they're gonna have to you know, during the off season, they're gonna have to figure out what's going on with this team. And, you know, I, I think you fire the coach because, uh, you know, they have enough skilled players to get this done. Their goaltending's pretty good. They may have to get some be- uh, better defensemen, but, um, you know, they, they just, they just didn't respond when they needed to respond. And that's usually due to coaching. Yeah. Yeah. I also think uh, Quinn's going to be on his way out after this season with the amount of talent that's on the Rangers, they should definitely be better than uh, a a fifth place team. But uh, taking a look at the Islanders schedule next week, uh, it's the last week of the season uh, minus the game on Monday against the Bruins, but uh, they take on uh, the Sabres uh, back to back on Monday and Tuesday and then they travel to uh, they travel back to the Cali to play uh, the Devils for a two game stint on Thursday and Saturday. So I think the Islanders uh, take advantage of the this end uh, run here and go four and zero this week off the, uh, the, off the back of uh, like the the big Ranger wins against uh, against the Rangers. 
Yeah, K-Dog, that, that could happen. This is, a, this is a tough week to predict because the Islanders are in the playoffs. Yeah. So you don't know what uh, Trotz's strategy is going to be, whether he's going to rest players or what, right? Um, because, it, you know, I don't think they can come in first. So, you know, the only thing they really have to play for is, is home ice, which, um, you know, they need because they excel at home and they're not that good on the road. I, I think even if they rest players, they should go three and one beaten Buffalo. I mean, they played Buffalo twice and the Devils twice. They should go three and one um, over that stretch. And um, then, the, you know, they, they probably beat, you know, they've had good luck against Boston. So I think they could beat Boston and, you know, be finish the season four and one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, they'll, they'll uh, hopefully they ride the hot hand into the playoffs. So that would be great for the Islanders. But uh, now that we're done with the Islanders, we'll take a look at the Rangers uh, rewind. Uh, only one game we have to cover for the Rangers rewind. And it will, is the Tuesday game against the Buffalo Sabres. And uh, no surprise here. The Rangers won three to one against the lowly Sabres in this one uh Shesterkin had a fantastic game only letting in one goal on 37 attempts and then on the other side uh the rookie for uh the Sabres uh Lukanen uh gave up three goals on 41 attempts the Rangers had 41 shots on net uh Amazing. still a pretty good game from the Sabres goaltender but he just got shelled with the shots and obviously Fewer bound to go in 41 shots. Uh, but in the second period, the goal scoring started with uh, a Brendan Smith goal for the Rangers, his fifth of the season, uh, making it one nothing. But then uh, Sam Reinhardt for the Sabres scored his 22nd goal of the season on a power play, tying it at one apiece. And then in the third period, it was all Rangers with uh, Lafreniere's 10th of the season. And then Mika Zibanejad scored on a power play goal, his 20th of the season, making it 3-1 Rangers. Uh, the Rangers dominated in this game uh, for the most part, minus the one goal from Reinhardt. Uh, but uh, the Rangers win this one, and uh, they tried to look forward to the Islanders. Hey, dog. Yeah, you know, you, you, you... You, you know, you, you beat ball, you beat uh, Buffalo as you should. Right. So, yeah. but you really can't take a lot out of beating Buffalo. And uh, although, you know, you got, you have to play hard to beat them. Um, so, you know, the Rangers beat who was on their schedule, but you know, if, if you look back at the Rangers season, you, you you'll see that they feasted on, Buffalo and New Jersey and that's where they piled up a lot of and, and and the Flyers and that's where they piled up a lot of goals right yeah I mean Zabanajad, if he did play the Flyers you know <laughs> he, he 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 would he would have half the number of goals that he has right because he yeah. really he just feasted on the Flyers and the Rangers feasted on the Flyers they feasted on Buffalo they feasted on the Devils but you know and, and you should feast on those teams, but, you know, they just weren't competitive against the, the top four. 
And there, there really was a big difference between the top four and the bottom four in that division, mm-hmm. right? I mean, Philly turned out to be a huge disappointment this yeah. season because of their goaltending was really inconsistent. The Rangers were inconsistent. That may be because they're young. Uh, the Devils and, and the um, Sabres just don't have the talent to compete with the top four. So there were the haves and the haves nots this year. Now and the Rangers beat Buffalo, big deal. Yeah, and then uh, obviously the the Rangers lost two to the Isles as we uh, talked about before, uh, four nothing, and then three to nothing on Thursday and Saturday. So uh, taking a look at the week ahead for the Rangers, uh, they will be playing for basically nothing, and they have a tough schedule coming up with uh, three games, uh, two against the Caps on Monday and Wednesday. And then uh, two games at uh, the TD Garden against the Bruins on Thursday and Saturday. So uh, I think the the Rangers go at best one and three, uh, but I could see them going 0-4 for sure. Okay, dog. They're they're gonna. I think they're gonna go zero and four. The Rangers are done. They have nothing to play for. They're done. They're playing teams that have something to play for. Right. The Caps have a chance to finish in first place, mm-hmm. and you know they want home ice advantage. Um, the the Bruins still have a chance to catch the Islanders. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, they would, I, I don't know who, you know, who they would prefer to play, but um, they still have a, a chance to catch the Islanders. And, um, you know, I, I think they probably would rather finish third than fourth in the, in the um, division, set them up for the playoffs. So I don't, I don't think the Rangers win a game. I think, you know, they, they have the Rangers have injuries, for the last five games, why are you going to play mm. Kreider and, and these, you know, Truba and these other folks that have injuries, you just ride it out, keep the Wolfpack players and keep the young guys in, you know, if you win, you win, but I don't expect them to win any games. I expect yeah. them to go. Oh, and four down the stretch here. Yeah. So, uh, Oh, and four for the Rangers for next week, uh, as we'll take a look now at the NBA, with uh, the Nets and Knicks rewind and preview. And first, we'll start out with the Nets. Uh, they had a four-game uh, stint this week, and it started out on Tuesday against the Toronto Raptors. And the Nets beat the Raptors 116-103. to uh, Toronto was winning this game for uh, into the fourth quarter, and... Uh, the Nets just dominated in the fourth quarter, uh, outscoring uh, Tampa Bay, I should say, 36 to 20. Uh, the leading performer in this game was KD with 17 points, 10 rebounds, and four assists for the Nets. Uh, Jeff Green also added 22 points and eight rebounds for the Nets as well. Uh, Landry Shamit had 14 points. Joe Harris had 16. Uh, Blake Griffin had 17. And uh, the newly acquired Mike James had 11 points in this one as well on four or five shooting. On the other side for Toronto, it was uh, Kyle Lowry with 24 points and six assists and OG Ananobi with 21 points 
six rebounds and six assists. Uh, Siakam had a, a quiet game, shooting two for 16 from the field with only 10 points, uh, but seven rebounds. And uh, the Nets dominated in the fourth quarter. Uh, in this game, they shot uh, 48% from the field, 40% from three, and 100% from uh, the free throw line. Uh, and that's where they that's where they did most of their damage uh, and the three-point line as well. Uh, They just dominated in the fourth, like I said, and uh, got the win against the Tampa Bay Raptors. Yeah, K-Dog, you know, this was an entertaining game, Mm -hmm. you know, which saw five ties, five lead changes until the Nets took care of business in the fourth. And, you know, I'm not really sure how the Nets managed to win this game. They didn't shoot well from the field, shooting under 40% uh, from the field and also under 40% from the arc, while the uh, Tampa Bay Raptors were over 40% in both categories. And then, you know, the Raptors also uh, killed them in transition with 19 fast break points versus six. Uh, you talked about the the Nets shooting 100% from the charity stripe. And, that, you know, that's a rare feat in today's mm-hmm. NBA because there's so many players that just can't hit a free throw. It's yeah. unbelievable, right? And, uh, you know, the Nets were down early in the fourth, went on a 16-2 run in the fourth, led by Durant, who, you know, had seven of his 17 in the fourth. Durant ended up with a double-double, the second game back from injury. The Nets made 13 of 19 shots in the fourth quarter. So, you know, they they had shooting woes early, but, you know, down the stretch, they started to heat up a bit. Uh, this is the third win in a row for the Metropolitans, and that kept the Tampa Bay Raptors from sweeping the season series versus the Nets. Uh, interesting stat, K-Dog. This was only the 19th time this year that Durant and Kyrie played a game together. Wow. I didn't. Yeah. Wow. I, I thought it would be more, but uh, with the injuries, I guess uh, now I could see how uh, they didn't play that much together. And what's more interesting, K-Dog, is the Nets are only 12 and seven in those games. Yeah, uh, that's uh, yeah, that's a tough stat because obviously uh, these two were the, the two that came here in the first place and uh it's be- it's probably better when uh, King James plays instead of one of those two. And and you know the big three, Kyrie, Durant, and King James have only played seven games together. Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, concerning a little bit, but hopefully uh, Harden comes back soon and they could just get it together uh, before the playoffs start at least. And I agree with you. I mean, there, there's no timetable for Harden's return. I, I'm more, con- I think he'll return. He'll be healthy. I'm more concerned that Durant is going to be able to play consistently, yeah. you know, and, and they need all three healthy and playing in the playoffs because it's championship or bust for the Nets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, w- and, and with this win, the Nets become the first Eastern conference team to clinch a playoff berth. So, you know, you, you check off the first item on your checklist for winning the chip. We made the playoffs, which, you know, for the Nets, that's no big feat. Mm-hmm. Again, they got to win the championship or else this is a failed season. Yeah, so uh, two clinchers, 
two teams clinched this week uh, for us. Uh, obviously, the Islanders, as we stated before, and now the Nets. That's true. Yeah, so good week for uh, for our teams as we move on to uh, Thursday's game uh, where they took on the Pacers in Indiana and uh, dominated the Pacers 130 to 113. Uh Brooklyn started out hot in this one, uh, outscoring uh, the Pacers 35-28 in the first and then 31-24 in the second quarter, leading big time at the half. Uh, and then it just did not stop from there with Brooklyn. Uh, leading performer in this one was uh, Kevin Durant, 42 points and 10 rebounds on 16-24 shooting. Uh, another notable uh, scorer was uh, Elise Johnson with uh, 20 points and 21 rebounds off the bench. Uh, seven of 12. Unbelievable. Field. Absolutely crazy from the newly signed uh, 10 day contractor. But uh, on the other side for the Pacers, uh, Karis Levert, 36 points, four rebounds, five assists for the X net, 14 of 24 shooting from the field. A uh, fantastic game from Karras. Uh, but, He's a good uh, player. But everyone else uh, uh, did not perform that well. Uh, the other leading scorer was uh, Edmund Summer with 16 points, uh, starting small forward for the Pacers. Um, Doug McDermott had 15 points off the bench. But uh, – the Nets just dominated in this one. Shot fifty-three percent from the field, eighty-six from three-point uh, from the free throw line, I should say. A uh, little uh, low, thirty-four percent from three-point land, but uh, they had uh, twelve more assists than the Pacers, which is huge for them. Uh, they gotta move the ball around, and they do, and uh, it shows in the scoring. Uh, they out rebounded as well, and on the offensive boards, they out rebounded, and uh, it was just a great all around win for the Nets. K Dog, the Nets keep it rolling. They sweep the season series from the Pacers, and and this game was never contested. The Pacers had an early lead, but after that brief lead, it was all Nets. And you talked about it. The key for the Nets. Uh, was they dominated the boards and they shot well over 50% from the field. Durant led the way with a double-double. He was 16 for 24 in his eighth start since returning from injury. It was his third game of 30 points or more since his return, which has been interrupted due to a thigh injury. I mean, and you talked about it. Durant even made Alizé Johnson a star in this one. I mean, come on where they get this guy from but anyway you know the Nets were able to take care of business without King James Harden who hasn't played since April 5th and Kyrie who uh, you know who has missed 17 games this year I mean just think about the number of games that Kyrie King James and Durant have missed this season and you know the Nets are still like you know at first place or just out of first place so the Nets are 29 and eight since February 10th, which is the best record in the NBA, K Dog. Yeah. Uh, 
it's just a great time to be a Mets fan right now. But uh, to finish off the week, they they stumbled mightily, uh, especially if Friday in Brooklyn, they lost 128 to 109 in this one. Uh, absolutely dominated by the Pacers. Hold on. Uh, Damian Lillard in this one had 32 points, seven rebounds, nine assists. Uh, sh- he shot 12 of 22 from the field. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic also added a double-double of his own for the, pl- the for the Blazers. 23 points, 11 rebounds, a 9 of 12 shooting. Uh, fantastic game from both Lillard and Nurkic. Uh, on the net side, uh, the leading scorer was Kyrie Irving, 28 points, three assists, 12 of 26 shooting. Kevin Durant did not play in this one due to uh, injury management. Uh, Jeff Green, 16 points off uh, starting at power forward. Joe Harris, 12 points. And Mike James had 15 points in this one. Alizé Johnson also added 12 rebounds and six points in this. Uh, But... uh, the Blazers shot 52% from the field while the Nets only shot 42% from the field and uh, 32% from three point land for the Nets. And that's just not going to get it done for them. Uh, They got out rebounded as well. It was just an all around tough night for the Nets. Hey dog, the Nets ran into a buzzsaw against the Blazers. The Nets were again without King James Harden and Durant sat this one out as well. The, let, the Nets led the entire first quarter, but the Blazers wrestled away the lead in the second and didn't relinquish it. The difference in the game was Portland's shooting, which was over 50% from the field and over 40% from the arc. The Nets, meanwhile, struggled shooting only 42% from the field and 31% from the arc. It was, it was just too much Dame time for the Metropolitans in this one. And I think the Blazers were the more hungry team. You know, the Nets are in the playoffs while Portland continues to be in a dogfight, having lost five straight before this three-game winning streak that they're on. You know, and Nets fans have to understand that the Nets will probably coast the rest of the way, mm-hmm. resting players in preparation for the play the playoffs. And, you know, I don't blame them because for them, again, it's championship or bust for this team. You know, unlike the Knicks, it is not a successful season just to make the playoffs. They need to win the whole thing. So, you know, you, you'll, you'll see games like this where, yeah, that they'll rest their players, you know, and um, they may lose. But I don't think it's anything really to be alarmed about. Yeah, no, it is not. But uh, then they lose uh, today, 117 to 114 uh, against the Bucks. Uh, it was a close game throughout, uh, tied at 90 at the half, but uh, the Nets just could not get it done. But uh, the leading performer for the Nets was Kevin Durant once again, 42 points, 10 rebounds in this one, shooting 7 of 13 from three. Uh, really good game from uh, KD. Kyrie had 20 points, uh, seven rebounds, six assists on a really bad uh, shooting split. Eight of 21 from the field and two from eight from three. Uh, Just not a good game from Kyrie in this one. Uh, DeAndre Jordan had a double-double, 10 points, 11 rebounds. And then for the Bucs, it was the Giannis show. 49 points 
and eight rebounds with four assists. Uh, 21 of 36, 36 shots in the game, uh, but he had 49 points. Uh, Chris Middleton also added a double-double of his own, 26 points, 11 rebounds on 11 of 21 shooting. And that was basically their entire scoring minus Drew Holiday with 18. Everyone else uh, shot le- has scored less than 10 points, less than five points, actually. Uh, it was just uh, – there was an even game, but the Nets uh, just shot worse from the field, 43% to 49%. And uh, that's where it ended. Uh, it was a close game, but uh, Nets lose their second straight. Hey, dog, you know, the key in this game and the key for any team when they play Milwaukee is you got to stop Antetokounmpo. If you don't stop him, you're not, you're not going to win. And, you know, they don't have – the Bucks don't have, in my opinion, enough, enough depth that if you shut Giannis down – and when I say shut him down, you know, you hold him like 25 points. You know, you're going to win the game. But, you know, if you let them score 50, you're not going to win the game. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it's it's an easy formula for teams. you got to shut down the Greek freak. Yeah. If you shut him down, and I'm not saying, you know, keep him off the board, 25 points, you're going to win. But, the you know, the Nets, their Achilles heel is, is their defense. And, you know, they didn't give up a lot of points today. But, you know, they didn't make the adjustments that they needed to make and I think they just thought that they'd be able to outscore the box in, in the, in this game. And, you know, they weren't able to, so they didn't play or, you know, lockdown defense against Giannis and, you know, they paid for it in this one. Yeah, they, they did uh big time in this one. And uh, taking a look at the week ahead, they play the box once again on Tuesday and then they uh, traveled to Dallas. Uh, it's a West Coast stint uh, to end the week uh, Thursday at Dallas and then uh, Saturday at Denver against the Nuggets. Uh, it's a tough three games this week. Uh, but I think the Nets could get uh, two games out of this three-game stint. Uh, I say two and one on the week. I think they will lose to the Nuggets uh, on Saturday. K Dog, I think the I think the Nets go three and zero. I think they rebound yeah, against wow. the Bucks. Then I think you know they beat Dallas, and I think they beat Denver. I think that you know they're just better, better than uh, those two teams. I don't I don't know. I don't think Harden will play this week. I think King James is still, you know, a couple of weeks away. Um, you know, and I'm assuming that Durant is going out west on the road trip if he's already in Milwaukee, um, but we'll, we'll see there. And you don't know how many games he's going to play, mm-hmm. but assuming, assuming that, you know, the, the nets are full strength with, with heart, not Harden, uh, Kyrie and Durant, you know, they should be, they should beat these teams and they should beat they should beat the box, but you know, they got to play some defense and, you know, somebody's got a man up, Giannis and keep them from dropping 50. Yeah, that yeah, the Nets need to contain Giannis on Tuesday. Uh, but the, I think they'll they'll get back to their winning ways against the Bucks, uh, get a little, little revenge game on Tuesday. But uh looking on to uh our next team, uh 
we have the New York Knicks in this one. Uh, and we'll take a look at the rewind. And it was, uh, they started out Monday against the Suns. And uh, I don't like to say that I called it, but I did. Uh, nine game. You did uh, call it. Nine game win streak was snapped uh, against the Suns in this one, 118 to 110. Uh, it was a really good game, close game throughout, but uh, uh, Chris Paul with the dagger shots at the end uh, to put Phoenix uh, up and away in this one. Uh, Devin Booker was the leading scorer for the Suns in this one. 33 points in this one, uh, 14 to 26 from the field. Uh, Chris Paul added 20 points as well. Uh, Miles McCall Bridges, I should say, 21 points as well. In this one, DeAndre Ayton added 13 boards, uh, nine points on four seven shooting. Uh, on the Knicks side, it was D Rose, the leading scorer, 22 points, six rebounds, six boards, uh, six assists off the bench in 33 minutes. Uh, Julius Randle had a quiet game for his standards, 18 points, six rebounds, and four assists. RJ Barrett added 17 points. Reggie Bullock had 17 points too. And IQ had 11 points off the bench. Uh, it was just uh, a tale of uh, uh, lucky, uh, not lucky shots, but uh, Chris Paul and his veteran presence at the end of this one uh, put the Knicks away and uh, snapped their nine-game win streak. Hey, dog. I thought the Knickerbockers would beat the Suns and extend their streak, but I was wrong. You were right. And uh, the Suns set on the Knickerbockers winning streak. You know, and the Knicks looked like they would come out strong. You know, they had a double-digit lead in the first quarter, and they led at the half. The Knicks came out on fire, making 18 of their first 25 shots. Yeah. But, you know, Phoenix killed them on the fast break, outscoring them 16-4. to four. And, you know, this was typical of many Knicks losses in which the Knicks didn't play a complete game, and, and they couldn't hold on to the lead. Uh, you know, the Suns held Randall in check to 18 points and Randall averages 30 a game. So, you know, much like the formula for beating the Bucks, holding Antetokounmpo in check, if you can keep Randall under 20 points, you're mm-hmm. going to beat the Knickerbockers more times than not. Right. Yeah. I mean, so uh, unfortunately, the Knicks couldn't keep the, the streak going. They held the uh, Suns held uh, Randall in check only to 18 points. And, you know, that, that, that's the key. That's the key yeah. to beating the, the, the Knicks. Yeah. Uh, uh, Julius Randall. Yeah. If you keep him under his uh, big totals, uh, it usually does not end well for the Knicks, but the Knicks on Wednesday continued their winning ways Uh went uh blowing out the the bulls 113 to 94 uh Knicks dominated off the jump uh outscoring Chicago 32 to 19 in the first quarter uh Chicago came back in the second but uh uh in the third they closed the gap as well but in the fourth uh New York just put it away and uh Julius Randle uh like we said back to his uh, prime ways, 34 points, seven rebounds, three assists on uh, 12 of 23 shooting. RJ Barrett had 20, 22 points and seven rebounds in this one as well. Uh, 
Emmanuel quickly added 13 points off the bench for the Knicks. D Rose had a quiet game with only six points, two of 11 from the field. Tough one for uh, D Rose in this one, but uh, taking a look at the Bulls, it was Vucevic with 26 points and 18 rebounds in this one. Uh, kept his team in it, tried to keep his team in it, but it was just not enough. Uh, and then uh, uh, Lori Markinen off the bench uh, had 14 points and six rebounds. Those are all the notable scorers for the Bulls, but uh, the Knicks just, uh, they won in this one. Uh, it was close uh, shooting the splits for these teams, but where the Knicks won was uh, free throw 17 and 19 from the field while the uh, Bulls were only six of 10. So uh, Knicks dominate the Bulls in this one and get back on their uh, winning ways. Hey dog, the Knicks start a new streak beating the Bulls and the Knicks essentially led the entire game. Less two instances when the Bulls took a brief lead in the third and, you know, the formula for the Knickerbockers is holding teams to 100, under 100 points, mm -hmm. which they did in this game. They also scored more points than they average. So, you know, this combined got the Knicks back in the win column. And now they're in sole possession of fourth place. The Knicks took care of business in the fourth, outscoring the Bulls 37-19. And, and this, this is how important reaching 100 points is to winning, K-Dog. The Bulls had scored 100 points in their last eight games and 17 of 18 until this loss. The Knickerbockers have scored at last at least 100 points in their last 11 games. No wow. coincidence that the Knicks have won 10 of their last 11 games, scoring at least 100 points. You know, and K-Dog, we've talked about this quite a bit, that the Knicks would be a winning team if they just scored a little more, you know, and that point is being proven now and, um, you know, is quite true because, you know, they've won 10 out of their last 11, and over those last 11 games, they've scored over 100 points. And, you know, so that's the, the, the key to the Knicks' success, score over 100 keep the opposing team at a hundred or less. I mean, the Knickerbockers are going to win. Yeah. And uh, before taking a look at the week ahead, uh, the Knicks played tonight at 8 PM uh, against the Rockets. And uh, I'd assume that the Knicks will beat the Rockets because the Rockets are crap this year, especially with the departure of Harden. So uh, yeah, I think uh, the Knicks will finish off this week uh, two and one. Hey, dog. Well, you know, the, the Knickerbockers, you know, when we're talking about their preview for the week, you know, they embark on a six game road trip out west this week, hey, dog. Yeah. Yeah. Taking a look at the week ahead, they they it's a mostly a West Coast trip uh, starting out in Memphis first against the Grizzlies. And then they go to Denver to take on the Nuggets uh, on Wednesday. Then Friday they go uh, travel to uh, the uh playoff clinching Suns in Phoenix and then Sunday they travel to LA to take on the Clippers uh oh it's it's a tough week for the Knicks and this is where they gotta they gotta prove that they're uh contenders this year uh in the playoffs but I think the Knicks are gonna get uh are gonna be in trouble this week I think they go one and three this week uh I think they'll only beat the Grizzlies, to be honest with you. So, K-Dog, 
you know, let's go through this six game road trip, which starts in Houston, because this is, as you say, this is a telling week for them as they yeah. play some tough Western division teams. Right. So I, I think we both agree they'll beat the Rockets, but you know, I'm I'm giving them a loss against the Grizz. Wow, you know because they play they play on back to back nights. You know yeah. they play tonight against the Rockets and they play tomorrow night against Memphis. So I'm giving them a loss. Okay, and and I and I think this is the start of a losing streak, right? Yeah. They follow with the Nuggets, which mm-hmm. I think is a loss. Yeah, followed by the Suns, to whom they lost earlier this week. So that's another loss, right? Then 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 it's then it's a game with preseason P <laughs> and the clips, which is another loss. And then, and then finally they, they end their road trip against the phony King, yeah. not like, not like our King James Harden, but the phony King and the fake show, which is another loss. Yeah. So the Knicks are going one and five K dog this week, in my opinion, and they drop in the standings. Yeah, I I agree the same. Uh, I I think they're in trouble this week. It's this is a buzzsaw of a week to. I've tough. Yeah, very tough week for uh, the Knicks in this one. Uh, so we both think uh, it's going to be a tough one for the Knicks in this one. Uh, as we're done with the NBA, we'll move on to the MLB now, which is the Mets and uh, Yankees rewind. And we'll start out with the uh, the hometown team, the, the Metropolitans. And it started off this week really bad. Uh, Two-game stint against the Sox, and they lost both of them due to no uh, lack of run support. And that's been the season theme so far. Uh, the first game, they lost 2-1. to one. Uh, Peterson pitched pretty well, giving up only two earned runs. Uh it's a quality start, only four hits, three Ks. Uh, but they made Garrett Richards look like uh, freaking Randy Johnson out there, prime Randy Johnson. Uh, one earned <laughs> run, one earned run, 10 Ks. Like, oh my goodness. Uh, the only run scored was a McNeil home run in the bottom of the second. And uh, after that, uh, for the Sox, it was Bobby Dahlbeck with a home run and then Rafi Devers scored in the sixth inning. I have no idea who Dahlbeck is, but I guess, uh, I don't know who he is either, but Peterson yard. And, uh, it's just, it's the same thing as last year. Runners in scoring position cannot get home. And, uh, the Mets lost their first one, two, one to the Sox. K dog, you know, uh, so, so the Boston series in which they lost both games, yeah. no, no hitting whatsoever, no clutch hitting, right? It, it's the same problem as last year and the same problem as the year before, you know, last year they were talking about, well, it's because Chili Davis, the hitting coach opted out and was only remote, right? Well, you know, he's back this year. And the Mets thought, well, now he's back, you know, th- th- they'll get back to hitting well. Well, yep. they aren't back to hitting well. No one on this team is hitting with the exception of Nimmo, who is cooling down and, you know, and J.D. Davis, who can't field. 
Uh, and now both of them are out with hand injuries. So, you know, and then you have the $300 million man. He's not hitting. He can't hit for anything. Uh, I mean, Conforto's not hitting. You, you just go on down the line. McCann's not hitting. I mean, uh, you just go on down the line. McNeil's not hitting. You might as well have K-Mac and uh, G-Mac and K-Dog in the lineup <laughs> because, we'll, we, you know, we'll strike out as, as frequently as they do. We'll get paid um, less. You know, so so – it's either the players or they got to fire Chili Davis, one of the two, because obviously he's not getting the job done, you know, and the $300 million man isn't hitting and he better get it going sooner, or he may become another one of these big stars. They can't make it in New York. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, the uh, Lindor right now, uh, he's looking like a big time bust uh, for the Mets right now, but uh, in the second game against the Sox, it was a one nothing loss on DeGrom's bump day. Uh, it may seem like a bad <laughs> stat line for Jake, but uh, only one earned run, nine Ks, three hits. People, people assume he's going to he's gonna throw shutouts every game, but uh, he only gave up one run. He uh, only gave up one run. It was a Vasquez double in this one, and uh, the Mets had two hits in this game uh, against – Nick Pavetta, he's three and zero this year. But I mean, who is this guy? One hit, seven Ks for Pavetta in this one, and then uh, at the end of the game, Matt Barnes with uh, striking out the side to save the game. Uh, the Mets just looked awful in this game, and Degrom continues not to get any run support. You know, we talked about it on the show last week that you know Degrom would probably have. 300 wins in his career if he was with the Dodgers or uh, you know a good team but you know he's on the Mets but and you know you just get so accustomed to DeGrom going seven eight innings of shutout baseball you kind of get spoiled as as a Mets fan um and you know he he was great again but it's it's the same old story with the Mets you know they just you know and I was suspect of this lineup K-Dog you know we talk yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, I I don't think the Mets were going to be any good this year. Um, I, I just don't think they, they can hit consistently enough, right. Uh, to, you know, put runs on the board. And I don't think they're going to pitch consistently enough other than Conforto, you know, to keep teams down because, you know, they, they basically, you know, if, if they give up, you know, three runs or more, they're not going to win the game. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so, I mean, when do you fire Chili Davis and when does that time come? You got to do something. You know, because at this rate, they'll be out of it by the all-star break. Yeah, I think they, they need to fire Davis very soon uh, if, if, it, if it doesn't turn around. And uh, uh, they took out, they take on the Phillies this weekend. So far, they're one and one this week, uh, this weekend against the Phillies. They play tonight at uh, 7 p.m. Uh, against the Phillies for their uh, for the uh, rubber game, I should say. In the first one, the scoring woes continued for the Mets as they lost two to one, uh, and the defensive woes, I should say, as well. Uh, Stroman pitched a pretty good game, uh, five innings pitched, eight Ks, two runs, all of them unearned because of a pass ball by uh, James McCann in this one. Uh, there's just the defensive woes continue. Uh, Chase Anderson got the win for the Phillies 
his first win of the season, uh, five hits, one earned run, six Ks in this one. Uh, he also, it, well, obviously the pass ball, he, uh, he struck out on, on the pass ball. <laughs> yeah. He reached the, he reached first base. So, uh, I, is that, that that's two RBIs for him, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, K, K- dog, you know, what, what bothers me is that, you know, the, the Mets were really excited about acquiring McCann. Oh, defensively is going to be great. I think he has at least two errors this year already. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and he can't hit and he can't hit. So, and so, uh, you know, the, these, these acquisition, these off season acquisitions, unless they turn it around so far, you know, McCann, he can't hit. He has a, he has a couple errors under his belt, you know, and, and he's really not keeping anybody from stealing. So is he yeah. really an upgrade from uh, Wilson Ramos? <laughs> I don't think so right now. No, but uh, yeah, the only right now, the only off season acquisition that's been halfway decent is uh, uh, Trevor may out of the pen. But uh, in this one, at the end of the game, Dom Smith and uh, Alvarado got into it and, uh, uh, after multiple hit by pitches from uh, Alvarado at towards the end of the game. Uh, uh, don't know what to make of that, but uh, in, in uh, Saturday's game, it looks like uh, they came back with a vengeance. So it's okay, dog. You know, let, let's, let's talk about that a little bit here, yeah. you know, in game one with Alvarado. Um, I personally have no problem with what Alvarado did. I mean, what's your take on it? Well, yeah, no, I, I think, yeah, I don't, I, he was just excited about the closing the game out. Uh, and uh, Dom Smith was chirping him uh, in the beginning of the game for hitting uh, Conforto earlier. And uh, it's just payback, I guess, for uh, the Mets and uh, Dom Smith just talking when he shouldn't, I guess. Yeah, I, you know, so I kind of have the same, uh, you know, sentiment here. I have no problem with what Alvarado did. He beat Dom Smith on the field by striking him out when Dom Smith could have stuck it to him with a clutch hit. You know, and then he just ch- then he was just ticked off with him because he was chirping. He challenged him to a fight, right? So you know, I don't want to hear Dom Smith say afterwards, "Well, we can meet in the tunnel," um, because if you watched. If you watched the broadcast, you even heard Ron Darling call Dom Smith out during the broadcast, right? I yeah. mean, he he said he said that Dom Smith should have went after him, right? He said that, and then when Dom Smith went out to the outfield, he said again, "Well, you know, Dom Smith's probably regretting not going after a Alvarado, right?" Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, the other thing. So the other thing I didn't like about, about that whole incident was, you know, then Castro comes in and, you know, a little wild, he throws a couple of pitches inside to Hoskins. I mean, they weren't close. Right. And then, uh, then Hoskins, you know, starts chirping and these pitches weren't that close at all. Right. So then Castro's all fired up. And I like that. I like, Castro's reaction because the net the Mets need to play with fire the Mets need to play with edge but what I didn't like about that whole thing was 
you know, if you watch the Mets broadcast, you saw McNeil standing at first base with Hoskins. He's smiling and laughing while Castro's all fired up and Castro wants to go, right? Yeah. So, you know, why is McNeil next to Hoskins at first base smiling and laughing? And, and again, if, if you watched, I mean, it's ridiculous. But again, if you watched the broadcast, you heard Ron Darling again call out the Mets and call out McNeil saying, you know, what do you have to talk what, what do you have to talk about with the opposing player? Yeah. You know, you, you shouldn't be talking to the opposing player. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to me, I mean, I loved Castro's reaction. I mean, he's a skinny guy. I don't know if he could handle his business, but I love his reaction. Yeah. I love his fire. I love his edge. And, you know, that's what the Mets need. What McNeil, to me, K-Dog, what McNeil and Dom Smith showed, they showed that the Mets are soft. And, you know, Alvarado bullied them. Right. So, you know, people were saying, oh, well, Alvarado was classless, classless. Listen, if if Alvarado was on the 86 Mets, he would forever live in Mets folklore by doing what he did, because you know what? The 86 Mets were the bullies. Mm -hmm. They they did the bullying in this game. The Phillies bullied the Mets. Right. The the 86 Mets wouldn't have, you know, they they. They, they, yeah, I know the 21 Mets aren't the 86 Mets. I, I get it because the 86 Mets are so much more talented. But you know what? The 86 Mets beat you on the scoreboard. And if you wanted to dance, they, they were dancing, right? So uh, I, I don't agree that Alvarado was classless. Um, you know, he challenged them. And, you know, Dom Smith didn't want to dance. You know, and and then the major major league baseball suspends Alvarado, K Dog. Yeah, three games. <laughs> I mean, why are you why are you suspending Alvarado? What did he do? What did he do wrong? Nothing. He did, no, no he did, hands were thrown. So I mean, no, it makes he, no sense. And and then you know a similar thing happened in the Cubs Reds game, right? Where the the Reds pitcher struck out Anthony Rizzo, and you know there was some history there. You know, and the and the Reds pitchers yell, you know, pumped up, yelling at him. You know, I struck, you know, uh, and, and you know, sticking it to him. And then Baez is on the bench, and he has something to say. Yeah. And the benches spill out onto the field, and you know, K Dog, uh, it, it's ridiculous. Major League Baseball um, has a problem, and, and Major League Baseball created the problem. And what the problem is, is they allow these ridiculous ridiculous over the top celebrations when a team wins a game in the bottom of the ninth and they celebrate like it's the seventh game of the world series, you know, and and the Mets, you know, would do this with Alonzo when he used to rip the Jersey off a player, if they got a game winning hit in the ninth. And to me, that's completely Bush league and it shows up the pitcher and it shows up the other team. So, you know, the batters, and the teams that, that win, uh, you know, are allowed to showboat. The batters are allowed to showboat after they hit a home run, you know, standing at the plate, admiring their home run, flipping the bat, Cadillacing around the bases. I mean, Reese Hoskins did that to the Mets. He hit a home run, took him 45 seconds to run around, uh, walk around the bases. Right. And mm-hmm. meanwhile, and meanwhile, um, McNeil is smiling and laughing 
next to him at first base while his pitcher Castro is fired up and wants to rip the guy's head off. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't want McNeil on my team the way he reacted in that game. I, I just mm-hmm. wouldn't want him. But you know what? If Major League Baseball allows the hitter to showboat, then why can't these pitchers respond when they strike someone out in a big situation yeah. and show them up? Right. Yeah, I agree. And, and, I agree. And, you know, same thing, but these hitters don't like it. You know, okay. It's okay for them to show up the pitcher, but not okay for the pitcher to show them up after they strike them out. And then, then, the, and then the batters don't like when they pitch inside or dust them at the plate. I mean, um, did you hear Joe Girardi? I mean, he made one of the most ridiculous comments I've ever heard after Bryce Harper got hit in the face. And I don't want to see anybody get hit in the face, but you know, he basically said, and because the guy didn't do it on purpose, but he said, if you can't control your pitch, you shouldn't be in the majors. And are you kidding me, K Dog? A yeah, pitcher, that's... a pitcher that has a reputation of being wild or dusting players has an advantage because the batter isn't comfortable in the box mm-hmm. you know and dom smith mimicked those same ridiculous comments after the alvarado incident mean meanwhile dom smith can go to bat wearing an elbow pad wearing a shin guard wearing a face protector attached to his helmet right so you shouldn't get upset if someone hits you or dusts you off when you're wearing all that gear right because yeah. you can just lean over the plate crowd the plate and, and lastly, K-Dog, and, then I, and I won't talk about it anymore, but lastly, MLB has to stop teams from leaving the bench, yeah, I mean, the dugout. It's ridiculous. Yeah. These teams these teams have no intentions of fighting. Dom Smith had no intentions of fighting Alvarado. None of the Mets had any intentions of fighting. And the problem is, K-Dog, when these teams leave the dugout, one day – one or two players coming out of the, the coming out of the dugout are really going to want to fight and they're going to punch someone who really doesn't want to fight, but is coming out of the dugout because they have to. And that player is going to get cold cocked and hurt. And mm-hmm. the ML, in my opinion, K dog, the MLB has to be like the NHL. You leave the bench during a scrum, you are kicked out of the game, right? In the NHL, if there's a fight, a player can't leave the bench to join a fight. Yeah. Right. So if you implement something like that, this will eliminate the benches emptying out and keep someone from getting hurt. And if a scrum begins on the field, then like in hockey, you get kicked out of the game. If a third man enters the fray, if, if two players want to fight, let them go, let them go. And the umps can break it up. But if another player enters, then he's the third man in, and he gets ejected just like hockey. And if MLB does that, it'll stop this nonsense. Mm-hmm. It'll stop it. It'll stop it because it's ridiculous. And MLB also has to curb these celebrations, which to me is at the source of this. And stop having players showboat, you know, when they do something good. You know, you, you, you get, get a game-winning hit in April – don't act as though you just won game seven of the world series. I mean, it's ridiculous, but that's the problem here. And I have no problem with pitchers pitching inside, dusting people off. And if you get hit, you get hit. It's part of the game. Yeah. uh, Just one, one thing before we move on to the final game against the Phillies. uh, I think that 
this all this has happened because of the lack of leadership from Luis Rojas. I just think like he doesn't have control of the the locker room, obviously. Well, I mean, to, to me, the, the well, he should have never been the the manager. I mean, no, yeah, he I, not why been, why he, he wasn't fired. fired this year and start fresh is beyond me. I, I can't figure that out because he was only you know the substitute because of the Beltron situation. But this guy has shown no propensity to be a good manager, you know. And the, the Mets just don't have – they don't play with brimstone and fire. They just don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, that, and I think, they, you know, they, they don't have that edge. They don't play with that edge, you know. And I always refer to the 86 Mets because, you know, the 86 Mets and the 69 Mets are – well, they're the Mount Rushmore of Mets history. But, the, you know, the, the 86 Mets ha- had that edge. They, they had that edge about them, right? Everybody hated the 86 Mets, you know, because they they were really good. They won, you know, and in fact, the 80s, the Mets, the the teams used to criticize the Mets as showboats because after they would hit a home run, you know, the crowd would chant for them and they would do a curtain call where they'd come out of the dugout, tip their hat and then go back in the dugout or come out and wave and then go back in the dugout. And teams hated that back in 86. Mm -hmm. Well, these celebrations now are so over the top and so ridiculous ripping the shirts off, you know, and all this other nonsense at home plate with cups of water and stuff like that. It's completely ridiculous. And just think how, how people said, you know, it showed up the other team when they were just doing a curtain call to come out, wave to the crowd or tip their hat to the crowd. Now they do all this ridiculous stuff, um, you know, and if the Mets, the 86 Mets were in that game against the Phillies, you know, nobody would be smiling and laughing, talking to Reese Hoskins. They were going over to first base. They were going to punch him in the face. That's what they were going to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Mets need to show intensity. Uh come coming up in in the future games but uh on the saturday game uh they won five to four uh they scored four runs in the first uh by the way of pete alonzo conforto and jd davis making it four to nothing in the first uh tywin walker started this game but then uh two runs were scored in the uh second inning with andrew knapp and zach wheeler of all people making it 4-2. Then Alec Bohm in the bottom of the sixth took Walker deep uh, to tie up the game at four apiece. And that's where I was like, oh, the Mets losing again. But then in the ninth inning, uh, Michael Conforto hits a bomb uh, to center field to give the Mets the lead. And uh, Diaz closed it out in the uh, bottom of the ninth uh, with a great save two strikeouts in the save uh, gave the Mets the win uh, finally winning. uh, They've lost their last three. So uh, this was a good win for the Mets and hopefully they, it continues on uh, Sunday today. Yeah. K-Dog, it was a big win for the Mets. Um, You know, Conforto's got to get it going. That's, you know, they're, they're relying on him. He's got to get it going. Um, you know, and J.D. Davis, you know, he, he can hit and, um, you know, he continues to show that he can hit. He's got to be in the lineup. And, you know, they got on top of Wheeler and Wheeler is a really good pitcher. I wish the Mets still had him. 
really good pitcher. You know, and Taiwan Walker gave them innings. It wasn't a great start, but he gave them innings. Um, Conforto comes through with the big homer in the ninth. But but the key for the game for me was Diaz. And, you know, you know how, knock on wood, how well Diaz has pitched for the Mets. Uh, because, I mean, he was really sharp. He was throwing smoke and he was bringing it and they couldn't catch up with it. And, you know, his, his pitches have a lot more movement. It looks like this year. And, and he's been able to place his pitches with a lot more consistency. So, you know, that's the key. If they can get Diaz to be locked down, yeah, he's going to blow one every once in a while, but if they can get him to be what he was uh, the year he left Seattle, then, you know, they're going to be in good shape. Yeah. Uh, taking a look at the week ahead for the Mets, it's a four-game stint at Bush Stadium against the uh, Cardinals in this one in St. Louis. And then it's a three-game stint at home in City against the Diamondbacks. Uh, right now, the Cardinals are surging uh, second in the NL Central behind the Brewers. And uh, Diamondbacks are all right. They're 14 and 13, one game over. I think that the Mets... Uh, if they continue, if they uh, continue, if they could hit like they did uh, in yesterday's game against the Phillies, uh, I could see them taking uh, two out of four against the Cards and then two out of three against uh, the Diamondbacks. So uh, I think they'll be four and three this week. Uh, K Dog, you know that this is going to be hard to predict. I, I could. I don't know what the status of Stroman is at this point. Um, if, if he takes his regular turn, that'll certainly help the, the Mets' chances of having a, uh, a winning record this week. If he doesn't take his regular turn, then I think the Mets are in trouble, mm-hmm. um, right? So I, I think I think that they split with the, the cards. But, you know, I think they're going to lose two out of three against the Diamondbacks. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting take. I, I don't think the Diamondbacks are that good, to be honest, but uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, as we move on to our, uh, our next team, which is the New York Yankees, and uh, the Yankees had a four-game stint against the Orioles this week, and then uh, three games against the Tigers in this one and uh the Yankees took two out of four against the Orioles that's bad yeah that's uh tough for the Yankees as they lost their first game uh four to two uh Matt Harvey Harvey Day had a fantastic Harvey Day six Harvey Day three hits one earned run and five K's uh Debbie Garcia started for the Yanks and uh had two earned runs in this one, but uh, uh, the scoring came from Cedric Mullins, Freddie Galvis, Austin Hayes, and Mullins once again, two home runs in this game for Baltimore. Uh, Judge scored and uh, Judge had a RBI in this one, and Urshela also had an RBI in this one, but uh, Orioles won 4-2, and the hitting was just not there for the uh, Yanks in this one. Yeah, K-Dog, Harvey trying to rejuvenate his career with the O's, beats the Yanks, giving Harvey his second win of the year. 
And, you know, the, the Yanks, as a result, earn sole possession of last place with the loss. So, you know, the Yanks have the same problem as the Mets. No hitting. No hitting. Urshela was the only player in the lineup that was hitting over 250 in that game at that time. You know, and he, he was hitting 264. Plus, the Yanks have no clutch hitting. They, they left 14 men on base in this game. Even with a decent outing from their pitching staff, only giving up four runs. The Yanks should win most games if their staff gives up four runs or less, but their stars just aren't hitting. It's kind of similar to last year when the Yanks would, you know, they wouldn't hit for long stretches of time. So, you know, it's kind of that same trend and pattern starting to show its rear its ugly head, you know, and and last year, K-Dog, I was calling for Aaron Boone to be fired after the playoffs yeah, last year he because he, you know how, how could he not go any further into the in the playoffs with that roster and you know if this if this continues uh you have to believe the yanks will make a move with the amount of money they spent on this roster you know they're not going to be content with being in last place mm-hmm. so I, I think the aaron boone watch is on if this doesn't get turned around quickly yeah yeah, he's on the hot seat big time but uh the Yankees turned it around in the second game winning five to one as Kluber got his first win as a Yank uh six and two innings pitched uh six hits one earned run five K's for him and uh uh the Yankees just put it to the the Orioles in this one Urshela started out the scoring on a sack fly in the first, making it one nothing. Then Judge had a home run. Uh, Kyle Higashioka had a home run in the fourth, and then Urshela had uh, another RBI in the fourth inning as well, making it uh, making it five to nothing, uh, four four nothing, I should say. Then Michael Franco uh, scored for the O's, and Stanton had a garbage time home run, like always, making it five one. Uh, Big win for the Yanks. Corey Kluber gets his first uh, win. Uh, notables in this one, DJ LeMahieu uh, was two for four in this one. And uh, Glaber was also two for four. So maybe he's starting to heat up in this uh, for the Yanks uh, as they get the the win in uh, Baltimore. Oh, that was a big win. Uh, they need Kluber. He finally gets in the win column. They need him. And the Bombers were back hitting three homers. You talked about it, Judge, Stanton, and Higashioka. You know, and, I, and I'd play that kid, you know, every yeah. day. I mean, there's no reason to, to play Stanton once he returns. I mean, uh, you know, you got to see if this kid can play every day. And, you know, he's hitting 320. He has four homers in part-time duty. So to put that in perspective, K-Dog, at the time of this writing, Judge only had five homers and Stanton only had six. So, you know, I, I think uh, Sanchez's time with the Yanks may be up if this guy proves that he can do yeah. it every day. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he uh, plays well defensively, hits for average, hits some dingers. You know, he'll be there. And the Yanks banged out 12 hits off the O-starter Zimmerman. And this is how the Yanks will have to win. You know, they're built to win via the home run. And, you know, that's what they did in this game. Yeah, and then they continue their winning ways, absolutely dominating the O's in the third game, seven to nothing. Uh, Domingo Herman had a fantastic game, seven innings pitched, three hits, six K's in this one. Uh, on the other side, uh, Creamer for the Orioles, 10 hits, 
six earned runs in four innings pitched. Uh, the Yanks had uh, 12 hits in this game as well. And uh, most of their scoring came from via the long ball, uh, the, the Bombers. Mike Ford uh, had a home run in this one. Glaber Torres had an RBI. Uh, Gio Urshela had a uh, two-run home run in this one. Uh, Aaron Hicks had a sack fly in this one. And then uh, Clint Frazier had a home run in the eighth inning. Uh, everyone hit pretty well in this game. Uh, DJ two for five. Stanton three for five. Torres two for five. Urshela was two for four. Uh, it was just an all-around great hitting game from the Yankees, and uh, uh, it looked like a great game from the the Bombers. Yes, K Dog. Uh, the Yanks got another twelve hits and three home runs to win this game, giving Herman the victory. Same formula: the long ball at Camden Yards with Frazier, Shell, and Ford. The Yanks bombed the O starter Kremer. 10 hits, six runs. I mean, uh, this guy pitched more like Kramer from Seinfeld, yeah. <laughs> right? Because the Yanks just abused him. Seems like Herman is getting it together with his second consecutive good start after pitching well against Cleveland in his last outing. The question is whether he is really coming around or is it that his wins are against Cleveland and Baltimore who are not some of the stronger teams in the league versus getting shelled against the Jays and the Rays. So only time will tell uh, with that one because, you know, the, the Yanks' weakness is their pitching. They need to be Herman, be, they need to have Herman be what they think he's going to be. They need Kluber to be what they think he's going to be or hope he's going to be because if these two guys aren't what they hope they will be, um, it's going to be a long season for the Yanks. Yeah, and then in the final game uh... – the Orioles won in 10 innings, four to three. Uh, the Yankees, uh, they were down early with a Trey Mancini single in the first. Then Odor uh, tied tied the game up, uh, I should say, gave the lead to the Yankees, 2-1 uh, in the fifth inning. But then Mancini once again with a home run to tie up the game. Then uh, Austin Hayes for the Orioles sco uh, scored in this, doubled in this one, uh, making it 3-2 uh, Orioles. And then Glaber Torres in the top of the ninth uh, tried to save this game, tying it up with a double. But then in the bottom of the 10th, uh, Cedric Mullins had a sack fly, and uh, the Orioles won it in 10. Uh, Loisica got the loss in this one uh, with only – uh, two uh, two thirds of an innings pitched, one run given up, and then uh, Tanner uh, Tanner Scott got the win for the Orioles with two Ks in this one in one inning. Uh, the starters were uh, Montgomery for the Yankees and uh, Jorge Lopez for the uh, Orioles. And uh, yeah, Yankees dropped their last game against the Orioles in this four game uh, series. Hey, dog, the Yanks can't split with the Orioles. You know, I don't care if it's at Camden Yards. And this was a tough loss for them after tying the game in the ninth inning, only to lose it in the tenth. The Yanks were without a home run in this game, and they were three for 14 with runners in scoring position. Not the formula for victory. The previous wins, the Yanks bludgeoned the O's with the long ball and a hit parade, but not in this game. And unfortunately for the Yankees, Chapman pitched the ninth and he's been lights out 
with 22 Ks over 29 innings, but he couldn't go more than one inning. So, you know, they had to, you know, have the other guy pitch in the 10th inning and he couldn't hold the O's down in the 10th. The Yanks got a decent outing from Montgomery, but couldn't win the game and end up splitting four with the O's. Yeah, and then uh, they had a three-game weekend uh, series against the Tigers and swept them. It was complete domination in all three games. Uh, the first one was 10 to nothing, Yanks. Uh, Garrett Cole, fantastic game, six innings pitch, 12 Ks, only four hits. Uh, a bunch of home runs in this one. Uh, Urshela had one, Frazier had one, Judge had one, Hicks had one, Odor had one. Uh, Judge had two, I should say. Oh, man. Bombers were out in this one. Yeah, K-Dog, you know, they had 15 hits and four homers. And, you know, when the Yanks hit homers, they're going to win. Plus, they had Cole pitching, Yeah, right? this, this was a wrestling. You know, they, they didn't success. even need all those runs. But, you know, Cole pitched six, struck out 12 on his way to his fourth. And Cole has four starts with 10 or more strikeouts with zero walks. Zero walks. Yeah which ties Mike Mussina for the franchise marks back in 2001. You know, Cole had 62 strikeouts in April. You know, that's second among the uh, Yanks uh, in history for strikeouts in a month set by Gator Guidry with 64 back in Jan June of 1978. You talked about Judge Jack, two homers. Stanton is on fire with an eight-game hitting streak with st three straight games with three hits. You know, and the question is whether the Yanks are hitting their stride or they're just feasting on bad Detroit yeah. and Orioles <laughs> pitching. I, I think it's the latter, but because uh, um, we'll the, find out the, the Tigers are awful. Uh, they lost the uh, Yanks won their second game six to four. Uh, Jamison Tyon got his first win in two years. First as the Yanks, uh, first win as a Yankees pitcher as well. Uh, five innings pitched, uh, three hits, one earned run. 8Ks from him. Chapman got the save in this one. Uh, scoring came for the Yanks via Glaber Torres, Aaron Judge twice, and uh, Glaber Torres once again in the sixth. Uh, it was the Glaber and Judge show for the Yanks uh, in this one. Uh, fantastic pitching from Tyon uh, for the Yankees, and that's what they need. They need good pitching along with uh, a lot of home runs and uh, extra base hits. And they did in this game as well. Yeah, it's a good good story with Ty on, right? First win in two, in two years. You know, his last victory, he was pitching for the Pirates against the Rangers May uh, 1st, 2019, before needing a second Tommy John surgery. So good story inspirational story of perseverance good to hear yanks got their fourth victory in the last five games they can get back to 500 if they complete the sweep of the toothless tigers yeah and they they did win today on sunday two nothing against the tigers uh scoring scoring came from uh higashioka on a double and uh brett gardner on a sack fly in this one uh kluber fantastic game Eight innings pitched, two hits, 10 Ks, only one walk. Uh, and Chapman got the save in this one. The story in this one is obviously Kluber, uh, an amazing start for him. And he had his 100th win uh, in this one uh, for the Yanks. 
And the Yankees are now uh, 500, 14 and 14 to end this week. Yep. So, you know, the Yankees took care of business, did what they needed to do, uh, beating up on Detroit, taking all three games, gets them back into the mix. They get to the 500 mark, is, which is where you got to start. You're not relevant until you're 500. You know, Kluber gets a second consecutive win. They need pitching. They're counting on him to, you know, uh, get a lot of wins this year for, for them. And uh, Chapman's been lights out, closes the game out again. You know, and, and that's, a, that's the formula for any team to win. Get good starting pitching, get good clo- closing pitching, you know, and then, you know, score three, four runs and, you, and you're in business. So the Yanks did what they needed to do. They're getting some good signs um, where, you know, it looks like players are starting to get in the groove. Maybe they're turning the corner. So we'll see once the competition gets a little bit better. Yeah, and then uh, taking a look at the week ahead, a uh, three-game stint against the uh, Astros and then a three-game series on the weekend against the Nationals. Uh, right now, uh, the Astros are 15 and 13, second place in the uh, West. And uh, the Nats are also first place in the East right now at 12 and 12. Uh, it's a tough week for the Yanks, to be honest. Uh, the Asterisks are uh, pretty good right now. So I think that the Yanks lose two out of three to the Astros, but then on the weekend they take two out of three against the Nats. Yeah, I, I could see that happening. I could see them losing two out of three against the Asterisks, and the, the Nats aren't very good. So I think the, um, the, the Yanks should be able to uh, take care of business with, uh, with the, uh, against the Nationals. So I agree with your uh, assessment there, K-Dog. Yeah, so uh, uh, the Yanks will have a decent weekend, not a great start to it, but uh, we'll move on to our NFL draft uh, assessment for the uh, Jets and the Giants, and we'll start out with the Jets first, and uh, the Jets got their guy in uh, Zach Wilson at number two, and then they traded up uh, for Elijah Vera Tucker at 14, I think that was a great pickup for the Jets as now they have solidified their left side of the line with uh, Becton and Vera Tucker. And then in the second round, I, I think they got it. In my opinion, I think they got a steal with uh, Eli Moore out of uh, Ole Miss in this one at 34. Uh, they, they, they were calling him to be a first round talent in the late, late, uh, late picks in the first round, but he never went and the Jets, hopped on their opportunity to uh, acquire Elijah Moore. And I think he'll be a, g- a great slot receiver uh, to put aside Mims in, in uh, next year's uh, contest. Yeah, K-Dog, you know, the worst kept secret was the Jets picking Zach Wilson with the yeah. number two pick, right? Now, you know, you've heard me say this before, but, you know, to me, unless you get Tre- you got Trevor Lawrence, you probably don't have a franchise quarterback that, that you're looking for. And, you know, I know Jets fans clamor for a franchise quarterback since they've never had one since Broadway, Joe, you know, K dog. Remember it was only a few, few years ago when you were not, when you and I were at Jeff jet life as guests of the New York jets for the draft when, you know, when they drafted Sam Darnold and jets fans thought they finally had their franchise quarterback, 
Well, <laughs> here we go again. And I think the Jets will be at it again in another three years because I don't think Zach Wilson is going to be the answer. You know, I have this feeling he's going to be Ty Detmer. And for those who don't know Ty, who Ty Detmer is, he was a Heisman QB from BYU that never made it in the NFL. Uh, you know, K-Dog, I think you and I were watching the game when Wilson played against Coastal Carolina yeah. last year. And, you know, he was underwhelming against Coastal. And Coastal is by no means a football juggernaut. You know, in that game, Wilson was 19 for 30, 240 yards, one TD and one INT. And, you know, 85 of somewhere around 85 of those 240 yards, you know, came on the last drive of the game where, you know, Coastal Carolina was playing a soft defense, giving them all the underneath stuff so that he, they wouldn't beat them deep. So, you know, not great. And he wasn't playing Bama. So the question is whether he will be the next QB on the Jets QB wall of shame, right? <laughs> because, you know, the Jets have had 31 and Wilson now 32 quarterbacks since Broadway Joe Namath in 1976, right, K-Dog? So, you know, let, let's talk about some of these uh, – core. Uh, let me just name some of these quarterbacks, right? So going from uh, current day to the past – you know, you have Sam Darnold. We all know about him, right? Then you had Josh McCown and Bryce Petty, right? Then you had Fitzpatrick, Geno Smith. Uh, Michael Vick was even in the mix at some <laughs> point. Then you have the Sanchez and his butt fumble. Brett Favre for one year in 2008. You know, then you entered like the Chad Pennington era, era uh, and Kellen Clemens was kind of in that mix, and Brooks Bollinger. Uh, Quincy Carter played a couple of games then you know before that it was Vinny Testaverde um, you know and then Testaverde got hurt so then you had Ray Lucas you know of SNY fame Rick Meyer of Notre Dame fame then you had Neil O'Donnell I mean the Jets paid tons of money for Neil O'Donnell and you had Glenn Foley and Frank Reich was even in the mix then you had, you know, Boomer Esiason for a couple of years. And, you know, the only thing worse than Boomer Esiason with the Jets is listening to him on the radio and TV. <laughs> and then you had Kenny O'Brien, who probably, you know, was probably the best Jets quarterback since Joe Namath. He was a very underrated quarterback. The problem for Ken O'Brien was he was picked before Dan Marino. So that, that, said it all about Kenny O'Brien, but Ken O'Brien was a very good quarterback for the New York Jets. He was underrated. He, he, you know, he started in 84. He played, you know, eight years for the, the uh, New York Jets and, you know, is second in pretty much every quarterback category in Jets franchise history other than Joe Namath, right? Mm -hmm. And then before Kenny O'Brien, you had Richard Todd, right? Richard Todd came from Alabama. So everybody thought Richard Todd was going to be the next Joe Namath. But Richard Todd was actually a very good quarterback as well. Um, you know, he brought the Jets to uh, two playoff seasons, you know, most notably 83 when they lost to the um, Miami Dolphins 
in the uh, AFC championship in the mud bowl. And Todd had a bad game throwing about three interceptions in that game. So there's a quick list of the, the Jets quarterback futility since uh, Joe Namath. So we'll, we'll see if uh, Zach Wilson can break that streak. Yeah. So uh, uh, hopefully he can uh, uh, for Jets fans sake, our sake, uh, been through too much already uh, and uh hopefully they could turn the corner it seems like they they are right now they had a pretty good draft in my opinion and uh i i hope to see that these players perform pretty well uh but moving on now to the giants draft uh they got the speedster from florida uh in the first round Kadarius tony um in my opinion, I think this was a little bit of a reach. Uh, I, he's, I've seen him play. He's pretty good. But uh, I think uh, they could have at least traded back a little bit, uh, got more picks, to, uh, and they could probably still have acquired uh, Kadarius Tony in this one. But uh, in the second round, they got an absolute steal in Aziz Ojolari, the linebacker from Georgia. Uh considered one of the best edge rushers in in this draft and they got him at pick 50 uh so i think yeah. their second round pick is better than their first round pick but uh i i, I like the draft from the giants uh gettleman got an absolute steal trading back uh trading back and getting an extra first round pick uh f- from the bears uh that was i think that's the the play of the draft for the giants uh, getting the Bears pick for next year. I agree with you, K-Dog. I mean, I think Gettleman did a tremendous job trading back once the man they wanted, and they uh, apparently they wanted Devontae Smith. You know, once he came off the board, they're like, well, you know, we can trade back and still get our guy. So, yeah, I agree with you. That was a tremendous job by Gettleman. I also agree with you. I think, um, you know, picking Tony with the 20th pick in the draft, uh, probably wasn't the best move uh, because I, I think, you know, the Jets getting Elijah Moore in the second round, I think Elijah Moore is better than, better than Kadarius Tony, Tony yeah. from, from the Gators. Right. So, you know, um, Tony averaged 19.6 yards after the catch and 7.3 um, in 19.6 yards after the catch in 19, uh, in 2019 and 7.3 in 2020 with a career high 12 touchdowns uh, catches from Kyle Trask in 2020. So, you know, we'll, we'll see who becomes the better uh, wide receiver, whether it's Tony or more, but it'll be interesting. And I agree with you, the giants and the, the player, the edge rusher from uh, university of Georgia, really good pick in, in the second mm-hmm. round, but I think the giants could have done better with their pick at the 20th round. They could have probably traded back, got some more draft stock and still got this guy. Yeah. So uh, yeah, giants had a decent draft. Uh, could have drafted back even more, got more picks, but the, the Gettleman trade for an extra first rounder next year, absolute steal. In my opinion, uh, both teams had pretty good drafts, uh, at the end, uh, in the end, uh, but uh, 
it looks good for New York football right now uh, after the draft. Uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, the Jets are the Jets, and the Giants play in the worst division in the uh, in the NFL. So uh, maybe the Kadarius Tony will be the piece uh, on the offensive side to push Danny Dimes forward. But uh, we'll see what happens there as we uh, move on to our final topic of the day, which is K Dogs Fantasy Minute. Oh, I can't wait for this. Uh, right now, uh, we are on three. We're down oh, and three. Yeah, we're down five points in this game's contest. Uh, we're just waiting for the Mets Phillies game to be done. I have McNeil and Gregorius. Oh, as well as uh, McCutcheon in this one. Uh, hopefully. I want the I want the Mets to win, obviously. So maybe McNeil get a home run or something. Uh, we're down five points. I need obviously uh, six points to win. Uh, but taking a look at our uh, player of the week this week had to be Vlad Guerrero Jr. with his uh, three home run game and a grand slam in that game as well. Absolute uh, fantastic game from. Guerrero. Yeah, he's a really good. He's a really good player. Uh, Barrios also had uh, 31 points uh, for, for Minnesota in this week's contest. Uh, the loser of this week, Max Muncy, won for 19 this week. And 10 Ks, only one point overall. Oof, that's that's a that's a brutal week for Muncy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a terrible week for Muncy in this one. Uh, hopefully, he could get back on track next week. Uh, we need all the help we can get. Uh, surprise of the week, Will Smith, 25 points, six of 22, uh, with a home run, five RBIs, uh, this week for the Dodgers behind, uh, behind the plate. Wow. Will Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And then, uh, my, uh, my disappointment of the week has to be Vasquez. He's been lighting it up all year. And then this, this week, uh, this week only seven points. You have four for eighteen from uh, four for eighteen uh, from the batting average. Uh, two RBIs, only a double this week, courtesy of the Mets. Seven strikeouts though in the week. <laughs> yeah, that's a tough week for him. Yeah, uh, but hopefully, you know, the, the, hopefully the, we could get a win this week. Well, you know, the question is, who's going to get fired first? UK dog, <laughs> uh, Aaron Boone. Or Rojas. Or Rojas, Louis Rojas. <laughs> uh, I think no. you, 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 all, your teams are all underperforming, that's for certain. Yeah, hopefully. hopefully uh, I mean, like I said last week, we started off really bad in fantasy football, and we got to the championship. So hopefully this team could turn it around. I think they can. So hopefully we could finish this week, get the win, be one and three, and then uh, just roll after that. We shall see. Yeah, we will. But that's it from the seller today. And here's hoping our team will get out of the seller soon.